0: Section 10 of Louis Pasteur by Albert Keim and Louis Lumet. Translated by Frederick Tabor Cooper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 7. The Sovereignty of Genius, Part 1. In spite of a small refractory group, Pasteur's rise into fame was continuous, and his genius radiated throughout the scientific world of Europe. The government had appointed him as delegate to the International Medical Congress held at London in April 1881, and there he was the recipient of exceptional honors. Monsieur Valery Radeau cites a very beautiful letter which Pasteur wrote to his wife concerning the attentions that he received. When the President of the Congress, Sir James Paget, happened to mention his name, the entire assemblage burst into applause, and Pasteur was obliged to rise and salute his colleagues. I was very proud, he wrote, very proud internally, not for myself, you know how I feel in regard to triumphs, but for my country, when I realized that I was being exceptionally distinguished in the midst of this immense concourse of foreigners, of Germans especially, who are here in considerable numbers— far greater numbers than there are Frenchmen, of whom nevertheless taken altogether there are not less than 250. Jean-Baptiste and René were present at the session. You can judge of their emotion. After the session luncheon at the home of Sir James Paget, with the Prussian prince seated on his right and the Prince of Wales on his left, then a gathering of 25 to 30 guests in the drawing-room, Sir James presented me to the Prince of Wales, before whom I made my bow, telling him that I was happy to salute the friend of France. Yes, he answered me, a great friend. Sir James Paget had the good taste not to ask me to be presented to the Prussian prince. Although, under such circumstances, it was impossible to be otherwise than courteous, I could not have made up my mind to give the appearance of having asked to be presented to him but all of a sudden the prince himself came up to me and said, Monsieur Pasteur, allow me to introduce myself to you and to tell you that I was one of those who applauded you this morning, and he continued talking to me in the friendliest manner. Receptions and ceremonies did not make Pasteur forget his serious work, and in a lecture intended as an answer to Bastien, who maintained that germs were born from the organism containing them, he described his labours his methods his discovery of vaccines and the way in which he had proved experimentally that germs were parasites this exposition by pasteur in which he summed up his entire life as a scientist and all the opportunities which it had opened up to the future of science was printed in english and sent to all the members of the house of commons the greatest english scientists it should be added Tyndall, Paget, and Lister had rallied to the support of the Pasteur methods. Upon returning to France, he set forth immediately for Bordeaux, where he hoped to have a chance to study yellow fever, which had broken out among the crew of the Condé just arrived from Senegal. Yet, at the same time that he was anxiously concerned regarding these six sailors, among whom he hoped to find subjects for experiments, He was profiting by his leisure moments to visit the Bordeaux Library, where he read the works of Littre assiduously and with pen in hand. The fact was that certain members of the Académie Française had asked Pasteur to present himself as candidate for the place of the learned linguist then recently deceased. We have seen that Pasteur, the great revolutionist of science, had a deep respect for degrees, hierarchies, social orders, and honorary distinctions, and it seemed to him that this was an honor out of all proportion to his own literary claims. He hesitated, and it needed all the insistence of his friends as well as the thought that it was a tribute paid to science rather than to him personally, to decide him to offer himself as a candidate. He was elected on December eighth, eighteen eighty one to the 31st chair, whose previous occupants had been De La Chambre, 1635, Des Marais, 1670, La Monoy, 1713, La Rivière, 1727, Ardillon, 1730, Thomas, 1766, Gilbert, 1786, Fontaine, 1803, Villemain, 1821, and Littre 1881. It may well be said that even though he was not a man of letters, Pasteur's name will remain as the one which has shed the greatest luster upon that particular chair. His reception took place on the 27th of April, 1882, and it was the philosopher Ernest Renan who, as master of ceremonies, welcomed the scientist. Their two addresses, each in its respective form and spirit, are admirable monuments of the French language and of French thought. That of Pasteur, grave, austere, profound, paying homage to the merit of Littre, opening up marvelous glimpses into the abysses of infinity, that of Renan, respectful towards science, complimentary, witty, and permeated with a serene and subtle philosophy. Louis Pasteur was listened to with a religious attention, and something like a shiver passed over his hearers when he read in a voice which, while not strong, was animated by an ardent conviction this celebrated passage. Above and beyond the starry vault, what is there? Other new starlit skies. So be it. And above and beyond them, The human mind, urged on by an invincible force, will never cease to ask itself, what is there beyond? What if the mind should try to stop at some point, either in time or space? Since that point where it stops marks only a finite greatness, merely greater than those which preceded it, the mind has scarcely begun to contemplate it, when the implacable question returns, and never can its curiosity be silenced. It does no good to answer, above and beyond our space, time, greatness without limit. No one comprehends these words. Whoever proclaims the existence of the infinite, and no one can evade doing so, sums up in that affirmation more of the supernatural than is contained in all the miracles of all religions." for the notion of the infinite has this double character of being undeniable and incomprehensible. When this notion once takes possession of our understanding, there is nothing left but to prostrate ourselves before it. More than that, at this moment of poignant anguish, we must needs crave mercy from our own brains. All the sources of intellectual life threaten to give way, We feel ourselves on the point of yielding to the sublime folly of Pascal. This positive and primordial notion is gladly set aside with all its consequences by modern positivism in the social life of today. On all sides, I find the inevitable expression of this idea of the infinite in our world. It is through this that the supernatural lies at the bottom of every heart. The idea of God is one form of the idea of the infinite. So long as the mystery of the infinite weighs upon human thought, temples will be raised to the cult of the infinite whether God be called Brahma, Allah, Jehovah, or Jesus, and on the pavement of these temples we will see men kneeling, prostrated, lost in the thought of the infinite metaphysics does nothing more than transfer to within ourselves this dominant notion of the infinite and is not the conception of the ideal merely a faculty reflected from the infinite which leads us when in the presence of beauty to conceive of a still higher form of beauty our science and the passionate desire to understand anything else than the effect of that spur toward knowledge which the mystery of the universe has placed in our souls where are the true sources of human dignity, of liberty, of modern democracy, unless they are contained in the idea of the infinite, before which all men are equal? His hearers had applauded the words of the scientist who had thus dizzily scrutinized the mysteries of the world. They were about to hear the phrases of the philosopher, who was pondering them with a smile. Ernest Renon, welcomed Pasteur with words of graceful compliment and noble distinction. We are quite incompetent to bestow fitting praise upon that which constitutes your true glory, he said, those admirable experiments through which you attain the very confines of life, your ingenious fashion of interrogating nature, which so many times has won from her the clearest kind of replies— those precious discoveries which day by day are being transformed into conquests of the highest importance to humanity. You would repudiate our praises, habituated as you are to value only the judgments of your peers, and in the scientific debates, aroused by this host of new ideas, you would not care to see the appreciations of men of letters intruding among the acclaims of scientists related to you by the brotherhood of glory and toil." Between you and your rival scientists, we have no right to intervene. But apart from the basis of science, which is not our province, there is one criterion, monsieur, in regard to which our knowledge of the human mind gives us the right to express an opinion. There is something which we are able to recognize in its most diverse manifestations, something which belongs in equal degree to Galileo, to Pascal, to Michelangelo, and to Moliere, something which constitutes the sublimity of the poet, the profundity of the philosopher, the fascination of the orator, the divination of the savant, this common basis of all beautiful and true works, this divine flame, this indefinable breath which is the inspiration of science, literature, and art, we find in you, monsieur, it is genius. No one else has traversed with so assured a step the circles of elemental nature. Your scientific life is like a luminous trail across the great night of the infinitely small in those furthest depths of being where life is born. After analyzing the work of Pasteur and pointing out the strong continuity of his researches, Renan spoke of his virtues. Your austere life, he said, wholly consecrated to disinterested research, is the best response to those who regard our century as having lost the heritage of the great gifts of the soul, your laborious assiduity which has been a stranger to all recreation and repose. Then, having recognized the merits of Littre, Renan concluded with rare and exquisite subtlety, Your absolute devotion to science gave you the right, monsieur, to succeed to such a man and to recall to us his great and reverend memory. You will find in our meetings a source of relaxation for your mind continually occupied with new discoveries. This association, with a company composed of all sorts of opinions and every type of mind, will be congenial to you. Here we have the pleasant laugh of comedy, the pure and tender romance, the soaring flight of poetry with its harmonious rhythm. There we have all the subtlety of moral observation, the most exquisite analysis of the works of the mind, the profound significance of history. None of this will shake your faith in your experiments. The right acid will remain the right acid, the left acid will remain the left acid. But you will find that the prudent labors of M. Littré also had their value." You will follow with some interest the care taken by our critical philosophy to eliminate error by mistrusting its own procedure and limiting the extent of its observations. When you see how many good things are taught by those branches of letters that are frivolous in appearance, you will come to believe that the discreet doubt, the smile, the fine play of wit, of which Pascal speaks, also have their value. Among us, You will find no experiments to make, but that modest power of observation, from which you demand so much, will suffice to procure you many a pleasant hour. We will communicate our hesitations to you, and you will communicate your assurance to us. You will bring us, above all, your glory, your genius, and the renown of your discoveries. Monsieur, I bid you welcome. End of Section 10.